Well, good morning, church. Are you glad to be here today? I mean, you could do a little better than that. I said, are you glad to be at church today? Man, it's so good to see everyone here at in the house of God, we uh, do you always enjoy that time of worship, just being together. This morning, I was able to walk outside a little bit and meet and greet some people, and um, it feels like a good Ohio summer. The Lord's calling somebody this morning. It's good to see. the uh, but a good Ohio summer outside right now. Doesn't it feel beautiful today? It feels perfect outside, but it is good to see. Everybody, I think everybody's happy. Uh, Mississippi State won yesterday. Alabama won last night. Ohio State won. Come on, somebody. <laughs> None of you even meant that. Not a one of you. I want to let you know something. Uh, this coming weekend is our ladies' conference, and I want to encourage you to get in the room. Ladies, if you haven't registered, you can register today. Uh, you can go to guest services, ask any questions you want. It's going to be a time of refreshing, refreshing. It's a time of refreshment in God's presence. And I think we all need that. And just to let you know too, guys, we're going to be helping serve. But one thing that's really good is that we have childcare provided. So if you want to come and, and the whole family get involved with this, we would love to have you here, ladies. Come on, ladies, make some noise. You excited about this weekend? Yeah. And real talk, Kim's going to be in the house, and she's crazy, and we look forward to seeing her. And, uh, and then next Sunday, she's going to be preaching here on Sunday morning. So if you want to come and get another dose of crazy, it's going to be a good, good time. Good, good time. Everybody say field guy. Now, we have been in a... Uh, We've been in this series now for the last few weeks, and today is the final installment of this series, and I have really enjoyed it, and getting to talk to a lot of people, and I've seen, feel, I've seen people post these online, I've seen people writing in them during the series, and uh, I'm just really glad. This series is talking about us navigating our next steps in life, and really even as a church, the four tenets that we really believe that as a church that we all need to walk through. So here's what we've covered the last few weeks. Uh, know God. That's one of my favorite in this whole series, that if you have had time to go back and listen to that or, or share that or talk to somebody, that is where we talk about the plan of salvation, that God's greatest desire for you is for you to know him, right? Second week, we talked about find freedom, that you can be saved and stuck, and we talked about how you can find freedom. Last week, we talked about discovering your purpose, and today, we're going to talk about make a difference. Everybody say, make a difference. One more time, make a difference. We are currently living in a time where many people are causing division, but God is looking for someone to make a difference. In fact, it is easy to point out problems, and it, 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 more and more people are pointing out problems, and fewer people are actually solving them. And I want to talk today that many of us uh, maybe are trying to make money. Maybe many of us are trying to make a living, make something of themselves, or just trying to make it in their career or make it in their field of interest. But I believe that God has not just called us to make money and to get up, go to work, and, and go back to bed. God, I believe, has called us to make a difference. Can I get a big amen? I don't think just in your personal life, 
Not only as individuals do we need to make differences, I also think that as a family, your family should be a difference maker in the community. I also believe that our church should be a church that makes a difference. You don't wanna be a church that just has a bunch of square footage and brick and mortar and a bunch of people gathering. You want to know, is my church making a difference? And I believe that and in a few moments I'm gonna be sharing some of the things that we do to make a difference. But the first thing I want you to catch, are you ready? Here it is. You cannot make a difference if you refuse to be inconvenienced. We naturally are focused toward a very me-centered life. It's all about how much money we can make, where we can live, the cars that we drive, the net worth that we have. It's all about significance and security. And scripture lets us know that as we get closer to the end of time, I want you to catch this, that as we get closer to the end of time, Paul writes to Timothy and says that people will be lovers of themselves. As we get closer to the end of time, Paul says to Timothy that they'll be lovers of money. They'll be boastful and proud and abusive and disobedient to parents and ungrateful and unholy. The more and more we move toward the end of time. Can you see that? Anybody else just seeing that in our culture? That people are becoming more and more lovers of themselves. The more and more we become focused on ourselves, the less we think about, less we think about others. In order to make a difference, you have to remember that it's not about you. Life is not about us. Your income's not about you. Your life's not about you. Your existence is not about, about you. In fact, let me show you this verse. It says this, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. To serve one another. Your purpose, or in order to make a difference, it will always be about other people. To encourage, to bless, to edify, to help, to love, to lead, to care for, about, about other people. We need to be others-focused and not be me Focused. The worst version of you is selfish. Did you know that every sin, if you could trace it back, is selfishness? If it wasn't about you, you wouldn't do it. The worst version of you is a selfish you. In the last days, they'll be lovers of themselves. I guarantee if you were to track through your own History, let's just say the last seven days, every argument you had, every decision you made, things that you said, things that you did, if you can find places of tension in the last seven days, a good, good hint, let me say this, a good inclination is you've probably been selfish this week at some point. Am I helping anybody? Let me show you this verse, uh, a story that Jesus shares. He is asked about um, who is a good neighbor or who... Who is my neighbor? Jesus was asked this question. And Jesus replied with the story, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him up. They left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by him. 
a temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed on the other side. Are you seeing this? Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him, going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay the rest. I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, I want you to, I want you to see the context of this verse. Jesus is asked about who do, who's my neighbor? Who do I love? Who are these people? Who are these individuals? Jesus begins to share this story of a man who is traveling what they call a very dangerous road. In fact, in culture time, it was called the bloody way. In this traveling from Jerusalem, in this traveling down this road, the Bible says this man was attacked he was stripped of his clothes, he was beaten, and he was left. This man was in a predicament in a situation that what we find next is intriguing, that a priest, the scripture we just read, walks by him, sees the situation, a priest, which is like the local pastor, local staff guy, worship leader, whatever, walks by his, his, this situation, sees the situation, and the scripture says he passes by him. Refusing to be inconvenienced by the situation, this man of God moves over to the other side of the road to just trying to, trying to avoid being involved. I'm not exactly sure what he was doing, Maybe he was in a hurry to get to his religious duties. Maybe he was in a hurry to get to church. Maybe he was in a hurry to go meet with somebody. Maybe he was, but whatever the situation was, he was inconvenienced by this man with this problem. And so the scripture indicates to us that he removes himself from it, goes to the other side of the road and passes by. The next thing that happens is a Levi or a temple assistant shows up. This is like the staff guys. It's like Pastor Trey shows up. And in this situation, representing God, being a representation of God, you could even say a good Christian person, let's just say that, walks by, sees this man in the plight that he's in, sees the situation, and walks by him as well. People seldom attempted the Jerusalem to Jericho road alone. If they were carrying goods or values, valuables, many people would walk in groups. This man had no one but himself to blame. This is what one commentary said. Had no one but himself to blame for the plight in which he found himself. Now, let me just pause here and say this, that many of us can relate to maybe this priest and this Levi when they see this man in this situation, because why would you travel this road? Why would you make that decision? It's hard to have compassion when people's made poor choices, right? 
Why didn't you finish school? Why did you date him? Why did you go there? Why did you go to that school? Why, did you, why didn't you work harder? Why didn't you make better choices? You are eating the fruit of your own way. You have chosen your way into this problem. And it's harder to have compassion on people who are poor at making choices. In this story, this man has made the choice to travel this road by himself. The priest sees it, the Levite sees it, and they both ignore the situation entirely. But the story doesn't end there. The story informs us that a man who was a certain Samaritan, or in this translation says a despised Samaritan. Generally speaking, the Jews and the Samaritans despised each other, both racially and religiously. To be a Samaritan in that community was to be outcasted or to be judged, or there was a lot of tension. And in the story, this Jewish leader walks by. In this story, another Jewish religious leader walks by. Some rabbis have taught that the Jew was forbidden to help a Gentile woman who was in distress giving birth. Why? Because if they succeeded, all they did was help one more Gentile come into the world. They often thought that the Samaritans were worse than the Gentiles. So just imagine that the racial, cultural, religious tension between the Jews and the Gentiles. And the Gentiles, excuse me, and the Samaritans. The Samaritan was the one that solved the problem and addressed the situation. All three saw the condition All three saw the pain that he was in, but only one had compassion on him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Dr. King made an observation. Dr. Martin Luther King made an observation of this text that I have to bring to your attention today that goes to our point that you got to be willing to be inconvenienced if you're going to make a difference. This was what he said. When you see this verse, you see this. If I stop to help this man, What effect will it have on me? That's what most people would ask. The real question we need to ask is this. If you don't stop to help this man, what will happen to him? I know that if we were honest, we naturally think, what's it, what's, what's, this is gonna affect me. So the priest and the Levite sees the situation and walks by. Considering, let me go back, look at this. It's all about me. Back to me. I got stuff to do today. I don't have time for this. I don't have time to send the message. I don't have time to pay for their coffee. I don't have time to pray with them. I don't have time to love them. I don't have time to help them. I don't have time. It's about me. It's about me. It's about me. But Dr. King points out, what about him? What about the single mom? What about the woman who's going through divorce? What about the husband who can't afford to pay bills? What about the family that's struggling financially? And what about, yeah, but what about me? What about me? This verse, this text, this, this story that Jesus is sharing is trying to get you out of thinking about you. You cannot make a difference when all you do is think about you. Now watch this. This work's going to get heavy. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. ready. All right, watch this. It will cost you something to make a difference. 
It will cost you something. Now, I know you're thinking, yes, we're talking about being inconvenienced, but let me go a little further. In the story, the Bible says the man gives up his wine. The man gives up his oil. The man gives up his animal for the Samaritan to walk and the man who was broken to ride his own animal. Not only that, but in the scripture, he gives money. So I wanna just show you just a few things that in order to make a difference, if Vibrant Church wants to make a difference, here are some things I think we have to give. Are you ready? All right, number one, you have to give your time. You have to give your time. The Bible says he, on verse 34 that he went over to him, took a time out of his day and, and went to him. I've heard it said that, that, that love is spelled T-I-M-E. One of my favorite stories is John Maxwell tells a story, one of my favorite authors. Uh, he tells a story that when he was a pastor, he was in the lobby meeting with some men on a regular office day, like a Tuesday, and his executive pastor walked in and walked right past all of them and just said hello, went in his office and started to open up his briefcase and pull papers out and begin the work for the day. John Maxwell, who was the lead pastor, paused the conversation, said, excuse me, guys, goes into that office and says, hey, I, I, I hate to bother you, but is everything okay? He goes, yeah, I just got a lot of work to do today. He goes, you walk past every person in that lobby. You walked past, you went 100 miles an hour, gave a little wave and went into your office, started to work. He goes, I'm sorry, Pastor John, but I just have a lot of work today. Pastor, or John Maxwell looks back at him and says, you just walked past your work. You just walked past your work. That's why if you notice, I really try really hard to be in the lobby. I try to take time to be in the lobby. I, I may not get there every time, but I try my best to look people in the eye and to hug people and to fist bump people and to wave at people and love people. We talk to the staff and we've asked the staff to walk slowly through the crowd because oftentimes when we get in church, we get busy and we're working and we're, but at the end of the day, if I'm a shepherd, Pastor Ron has taught me this over, he says this every week, that a shepherd has to smell like the sheep. And I have to be willing to take time and get to know you, get to connect with you, walk through the lobby. I do the best I can. I can't reach and talk to everybody, but we got team walking around, staff pastors walking around. We want you to know that we are taking time because we want to make a difference. We are all, we're all guilty of misplacing time, right? In fact, uh, sometimes we can forget of some things we do here at the church. This, um, the first Saturday even coming this when is it? First Saturday of November. I got this. I don't think, it's not this Saturday, but next. We have a blood drive, and we're just taking time to serve the community and bless people and love people. We do first Saturday serves just to love and bless the community. That's what we want to do. We want to take our time, and we want to bless and love other people. Now, you may be thinking that I don't have time. Let me tell you something. I've heard somebody tell me this when I said this one time. I looked at them and said, I don't have time. And I've never forgot this statement. They said, you don't find time, you make time. So not only do we have to give our time to make a difference, the next thing is we need to give our, our talent. This is when you, you, you use your unique abilities to serve someone, the kingdom, the church. I don't care if it's knitting, building, cleaning, singing, 
standing at a door to greet somebody, if you got the ability, I believe you need to be leveraging what God has created you to do and to be to change the world. There was a lady, when I was doing, uh, we did a setup teardown location for a while when I was pastoring at a church called Storyside. I was one of the location pastors and we were a mobile location, which means that we were in a school and every week we'd have to set up and tear down. So we had full teams of people doing great and working really hard. We had this lady who loved to make brownies, loved to make brownies. And she was making brownies and she was like passing them out to all the church folk on Sunday morning. And that wasn't really what we were going for, right? I didn't want visitors to come in and be like, here's a brownie, wear a cult. You know, I didn't want that. Here's some Kool-Aid, you know, <laughs> chill out lady. But she was so precious and I didn't want to hurt her feelings. And I knew that we could use that in some way. Now, I can't do this. Now, don't be bringing brownies in here next week, by the way. But I literally, uh, I told the team, they're like, what are we going to do? You know, we, we don't want to hurt her. She's a great lady, but she's handing out brownies to visitors. It's kind of coming across a little strange. I said, I have an idea. Why don't we just have her make brownies for the setup teardown team who gets here at 6 a.m.? That's all it was. The lady just shifted her baking hour a little earlier, brought in her brownies, and the setup teardown team absolutely loved those morning brownies and snacks that she made. But she found somewhere to put her gift and her ability, right? If you can sing, you should sing. If you can this, you should do that. Now, if you can't sing, do not, do not even try to get on this stage. I'm just telling you right now, just please don't, in Jesus' name, just God, Please don't make anybody's feelings get hurt, but if they can't sing, keep them away from Pastor DJ and never let them get on the stage. Amen. All right. Everybody say amen. amen. All right, all right. I'm just having fun. Next one. Give your, your touch. Give your touch. The Bible says in verse 34 that he soothed his wounds. He got close. He got involved. Now listen, I know we are in a time of COVID and we're being limited to touch and some people are still social distancing. We still have a lot of people that watch online and we totally respect your decision. But I want you to understand that studies even prove that if a person goes without touch, it affects that person mentally. That even a child, a baby needs to be held and cradled and need to feel touch. And maybe you're thinking, well, Pastor Ethan, like you're asking us to go against requirements of this. Let me, let me just tell you, maybe it's not physical touch. Maybe it's personal touch. Maybe you, maybe you don't want to hug somebody, high five somebody, fist bump somebody in order to make a difference. Maybe you just need to have a personal touch. I remember a couple years ago, I got called to preach a conference in Seattle, Washington. And I had a few connections, but this was a really out, like a really left field opportunity. And so my wife and I would get on a plane, we'd go to uh, Seattle and we, and we minister. The guy's showing me the church and I asked him, I said, you know, man, uh, why, 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 are you, why am I here? I, I hate to ask, but why did you book me? Like, we don't really know each other that well, and you've not really heard me preach, and we don't have that kind of connection. I hate to ask, but, but why are you booking me? He said, because two years ago, I met you, told you my name at this conference, and we walked away. We had a great connection. One year later, one year later, we didn't have each other's number. We didn't have connection. We didn't follow each other on Instagram or anything. One year later, we saw each other at the same conference in the same lobby, and you remembered my name. You remembered my name. That was enough to impact this man enough 
just remembering his name. I don't remember this church. I don't remember anything else. I just remembered his name. It was just some crazy connection. I just backfired. I got ADHD. Just something was like, that's his name. Like, got it. It was just the personal, the personal touch. I think people want to hear their own name. People want to feel loved. I've heard it said that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People want to feel love. People want to feel your touch. People want, if you want to make a difference, you're going to have to start getting closer and more involved. Here's the next one I believe we need to do is this one right here. You have to give your treasure. You have to give your treasure. If you want to really make a difference in the world, the Bible says that he gave two days worth of his wages to this broken man that he could have easily walked by. He could have easily chalked it up to no, I've already done enough. I've given him my oil. I gave him my wine. I've given him my animal. Now I'm going to take him to a hotel and pay for two nights. Like that's quite a bit of a sacrifice this man is giving. He has done so much and he's just proving. Have you ever heard somebody say that you got to put your money where your mouth is? Well, this man is taking his money and showing where his heart was. Did you hear what I just said? I didn't quote me. I actually quoted Jesus. Let me show you what he says. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus said that. In other words, I can see where your heart is if I can see where your money goes. I love people. I care about people. I love the church. I love this. But yet, we never give our, our, our treasure. Our heart and our treasure, there's a string that goes from our wallet to our heart. And John Wesley said the last thing to convert on a person is their wallet. I believe that we as a church, we do not want to be a self-centered, consuming, selfish church. That's why I'm really big. You can ask my wife. We've always been big tithers. Not so much, I'm not talking about like big amount. I'm just saying we, we always believed that if God said 10%, we give it. If that is his word, so two reasons why we like to tithe. Number one, it's his word. I said number one, it's his word. Number two, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. Just this week, I'll tell you just some things we did this week. This week, we fed a released inmate for two weeks while, or this, this month, I should say, we fed a re recently released inmate for two weeks while waiting on the homeless coalition to get him a transition plan into housing. Oh, you did that because of your giving and support. A man who recently spent his time and did his time in a, in a jail cell, he's released and Vibrant Church was there to love him, to soothe his wounds and care for him and bless him. Thank you. One of the missions that, that we support here at the church is 
emissions of fellowship of Christian athletes. This helps cover the part, this part of the state. This ministry reaches athletes as well as students in junior high and high school for Christ, as well as the coaches. We support the FCA full-time workers at Mississippi State. You do that. Every time that bucket, you walk past that giving container, walking out of this room, you are making a difference, not just in this room. Many of us can assume that you write a check, it's just going to staff and it's going to lights and look at this big room. I bet it costs a whole lot to cool that and do this and that light. I bet that's a lot. Here's what you have to understand. We have in our budget and even increasing for 2021 to be able to outreach beyond these walls to make a difference, not just in Columbus, Mississippi, but in the community surrounding us. Another one we do is called Africa's Hope. This ministry helps build Bible schools and theological seminaries in all countries of Africa. It also develops a curriculum to train pastors at different levels of education. You do that. You do that. We have a missionary that we support in Honduras. They've been there for 40 years. They're developing children's workers as well as children's crusades to reach children for Jesus Christ. You do that. You, vibrant church, if you are one of the people that when you walk past that bucket, you drop something in that. You are just like the Samaritan who saw the man in his plight and his brokenness and put his money where his mouth was or showed his heart where his, showed his money where his heart was. I'm going to get that sentence out. (laughs) He showed his love by showing his treasure. We support Teen Challenge in Mississippi and Alabama. It is a 12-month faith-based Christian rehabilitation program for people with addiction. We support Team Hope. This ministry is located here in the state, feeds feeds and clothes and helps rebuild houses. Isn't this amazing to know that we as a church are trying our best to make a difference? I'm just saying this, and I know you may be thinking, well, you're the pastor, you would say that. I wouldn't want to attend a church that is nothing but consumers. You can fill a room, you can have good worship, you can have good preaching, but you're not making a difference outside the walls of the church. It is the commission from Jesus himself to go unto all the world and preach the gospel to every living thing. We have to make a difference. Not only do we need to give our treasure, not only do we need to give our treasure, but in my final closing thought, and the band can come, is this point right here, that we need to give Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We have to give Jesus. This week I was flying, um, and I was sitting next to this person, and I hate when people ask what I do for a living. I'm just going to say, can I just be honest? I hate that. Pastor Ron, am I right? It's better to just tell somebody you're a thief, a liar, a killer, whatever. I don't, you tell me you're a preacher, it's immediately uncomfortable. So I was talking to this individual for quite a while. Like We're probably halfway into the trip, and they finally said, what do you do for a living? I was like, crap. <laughs> you got to tell them now. I was like, well, I'm, I'm a pastor. Oh. So are you like, are you like an exorcist? That's what they asked me about was exorcist. I'm like, well, I kind of, I mean, Pastor Ron acts up sometimes. I may have to do something, but I'm not, 
They're like all their reference was uh, was was the Exorcist movie was that was their reference for religion. That was it. And I sat there in the plane and I began to share with her about Jesus. We actually had turbulence. And the woman told me, she said, you know, man, wouldn't it be crazy? You know, sometimes I think that, that you know, it would be so scary if something happened on a plane. I told her, I said, you know, and it was just God opened the door. And I said, you know, I, I, I could totally see that. Nobody wants to die in terror. But I'll tell you this. I believe in living hope. I got a living eternal life waiting on me. Amen. And I got the opportunity to share gospel with her. Just that few minutes on a plane, got to the uh, rental car place. And the girl there started to ask questions. Why are you in town? I'm explaining her what I'm doing. I was doing a wedding and she was telling me and she said, well, uh, so you're, you're, you're like a, a priest? I'm like, I guess, yeah, I cast demons out. That's what I do. I'm really good at it, I guess. She goes, I know, I don't even know, like, I said, I'm a, I'm a pastor. She goes, I, I don't even know, like, I, I don't even know what religion is. That's what this girl told me. Don't even understand, don't even know how to articulate what she didn't know. I didn't know what, she said, I don't even know what, like, like, what religion that is. Like, you're a pastor? That's what she said to me. People need Jesus. People really need to experience Jesus because we are oftentimes, many times, the only Bible that many people will ever read. Sometimes you're the only individual. I can't probably get that woman in church. I don't even know where she's at today. I don't, remember, I, don't, I don't remember where she lives. I probably can't get her in church. But the Bible says I am the church. And I brought the church to her. We have to give people Jesus Christ. We have to give them a glimpse of the love of God. Jesus said it like this, that if they, they will see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We have to give them Jesus. And let me say this. You can stop for others. You can care for others. You can love others because Jesus stopped for you. Because Jesus cared for you. Because Jesus loved you. Let me say this. That, that, that you can be a good Samaritan because Jesus was the great Samaritan. Are you hear what I'm saying? Let, let me show you this. Let me show you this. The Samaritan was an outsider despised by many. The Samaritan came after others failed to meet the need. The Samaritan came before it was too late. The Samaritan came with everything necessary. The Samaritan gave tender care. The Samaritan provided for future needs. We can do that because watch this. Jesus did that. Jesus was an outsider decider outsider despised by many. Jesus came after others failed to meet the need. Jesus came before it was too late. Jesus comes with everything necessary. Jesus gives tender care. Jesus provides for future needs. If it had not been for Jesus who stopped for you, you can stop for others because Jesus stopped for you. You can make a difference in their life because Jesus made a difference in your life. It is not a suggestion, church. This is not something that we're just a nice little sermon to consider. This is not a suggestion. This is a command. 
Go and reach. Go and teach. Go and love. Go and baptize. Go and care for. Go and pray for. Go and care for that single mother. We have to stop for them. We have to love them. We have to be to them what Jesus has been to us. And what right do we have? What right do we have to walk by people Jesus wouldn't have walked by? What right do we have to look to look at people in their brokenness and in their shame and in their sickness and in their poverty and to walk past them unaffected by what they live with? When the Bible says Jesus saw us while we were yet sinners and he came and gave everything and he would have just done it for one, but he did it for us all. Many of us, Willie, are just walking right past the most broken, hurting, shattered people. And maybe today the Holy Spirit's reminding someone that if you want to make a difference, watch this, difference makers are lifesavers. You don't know what that hug meant to her. You don't know what that prayer means for him. You don't know what that tithe that you give means to those children in Africa. You just don't know. But you're a lifesaver. And scripture teaches that when we stand before God, all that we did in earth that affected eternity will be right there. All the things that we did temporal for earth, building our houses, great thing. But it will be burned up, the scripture says. Our net worth, great thing. It'll be burned up. It's temporal. It's not going with us. But what we did for others, what we did for him, what we did for the glory, what we did for the kingdom, when we stand before God, the Bible says, we'll not burn, but we'll be like gold and precious silvers and jewels in the kingdom of God. I want to live with eternity in mind. If you want to be a life-changing, difference-making church, we have to live with eternity in our focus. Not just how are we going to get through this year? How are we going to make, how, what can we do to this? And how can we affect this? We need to think about eternity. We need to be lifesavers. When you came in the room, you received a lifesaver today. I'm sure a bunch of you smashed them during service. I saw some people down there like. <laughs> but I want you to grab that for me. Can you grab that for me? Be honest. Who ate one? Who ate yours? Raise your hand. <laughs> you did. Pastor Ron, you ate yours? You got more? You should have just grabbed two. Next service, grab two. Okay. Who else ate yours? Who else ate yours? God had. Oh, wow. This whole section. Were you guys eating each other's? We'll grab one on the way out for all you impatient saints. You can grab these on the way out the doors, but I, I want you to have this for a second. And, and, and this right here, as just a reminder this week, that you can be a life changer, that you can be a lifesaver, that you can pray for that single mom, that you can pray for that, you can pay for somebody's groceries. You can do that, you know that? You can do, you should tip great this week. You should. You should go online and, and post 
uh, about how much you love God this week. Or you should get online and post, how, ask, how can I be praying for you this week? And the comments will come in and I want you to pray for them. You're being a difference maker. You will never be a difference maker if it's always about you. It can't be about us, church. It can't be about us and our, our little square, our little corner of the kingdom. We have to be life savers. Because hear me today, and I know this sounds old school, and this is like the stuff I used to hear old white-haired preachers say, but I believe this. Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, I want to go with him, and I want to take as many as I can with me on the way out, and I want to be a life saver. Be a life saver. Will you stand with us all over the room? Somebody said, make a difference. Will you hold that candy in your hand? If it's in your mouth, just stick your finger in your mouth. Pray with me. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Maybe there's a name. Maybe there's a family member. Maybe there's a loved one. Maybe there's a coworker. I want us to pray for them right now. Maybe there's a name coming to your head. Maybe there's a thought, maybe there's a person, maybe there's a family. Come on, just in the quietness of God's presence for a moment, let's pray. Come on, just, just whisper that name to God. God, be with Jason today and, and this person and that person and, and, and this individual. Just, just touch them today. Be with our sons and our daughters our friends and our family. Help us be difference makers. Father, in the name of Jesus, every person in this room that is praying for somebody's life to be changed through them, God, I pray that as a church, we will not be consumers, but we will be contributors. I pray that we will be difference makers. I pray for every single lifesaver in this room that they're holding, that whoever they represent, whatever family, whatever teenager, whatever, whatever marriage, whatever the situation is, I pray, give us the courage this week to not only just pray for them, but to get involved with them and to be a difference maker. Let us give our time, our talent, our touch, our treasure, and let, let us give them Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you believe it, give God a big amen this morning. Now with just eyes closed all over the room. If you're in the room today and you have never said yes to Jesus, I just shared with you the gospel that Jesus came as the great Samaritan and stopped for you and for me. And I do this every week, but I don't want to close the service. We try not to close the service without giving someone the opportunity to, to rededicate or to dedicate their life to Jesus. The Bible says that we're born in sin, shaped in iniquity, and you may feel lost and hopeless today, but Jesus comes to give new life. Amen, church. And right now, I just want to count to three. And if you're in the room or you're online, I want you to raise your hand nice and high to heaven and make the decision right now that you want to give your life to Jesus Christ. It'll be the greatest decision that you've ever made. Are you ready? One, two, three. Come on. Come on. Thank you for those hands. I see several hands up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you, thank you. Come on, come on church, put your hands together. Let them know how glad and thankful we are in making the decision to follow Jesus. Now will everybody in this room repeat this prayer nice and loud, involve yourself. I like when people pray loud enough to hear themselves praying. So I want you all to repeat this prayer. This is for all of you that just raised your hand. You just made the greatest decision of your whole life. Like, you just did it. It's a great day. So I want you to repeat this prayer after me nice and loud. Dear Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my transgressions. Forgive me of my failures. I want a new life in you. I believe that you died. I believe that you rose again. And now make a difference in my life so I can make a difference in others. In Jesus' name, if you believe in church, come on, give God a big praise in this house.